A month after my first James Rompathon, Yvette decided to move in her cat from back home. Geronimo. Bloody Geronimo. Now, hear me out. I love animals more than the average person. My biggest dream in life has always been to have a tea party with talking animals. So, at first, I was thrilled to be living with a cat. Geronimo wasn't so thrilled about living with people. He was a rather large cat and quite possibly a wild cat. A real-life version of the evil Cheshire cat. I swear at times he had that manic serial killer grin underneath the fur and whiskers. I was convinced he was thinking up 73 ways to kill me in my sleep. Geronimo hated cuddles, people, his food, and the entire apartment, basically. He did have one passion, and that was sticking his claws into anything imaginable that he could destroy. Geronimo clawed the paint off the window sills. He ripped the curtains to shreds. But the thing I was most upset about was when he wreaked havoc on my beloved pink couch from Target. Ugh, I had worked three extra shifts in a place that was not too dissimilar to hell to pay for that couch, and that bloody cat destroyed it. As I sat on my now beat-up couch drinking my smoothie, Geronimo sat in the corner staring at me. I stared back at him. It was anyone's call as to who would blink first. We were playing a game of imaginary killer-killer with our minds. Morning. Yvette came out of her room dressed and ready to go to work. What are you up to today? She walked over to her cat and started scratching him behind his ear. He didn't seem to enjoy or even politely acknowledge her affection. Oh, I have to do laundry and then I have a meeting with a lawyer. I went work, of course. You? Work and then Ruby and I are going for dumplings at this new spot that everybody's going nuts over. Tomorrow, it'll be our 14-week anniversary. Look at you enjoying all the varieties of dumplings. Get it, girl. I tried to suck up the bit of banana in my glass that hadn't quite been smushed by my blender. There's always one piece that refuses to surrender. Yeah, yeah, good luck with today. Bye-bye, Bubbakins. I love you. I mwah. Yvette left the apartment, allowing for the mind games to commence once again. An hour later, and I was in Peach's unclean laundromat, two buildings down from my apartment, removing my clothes from the washing machine. I couldn't find an empty cart to transport them to the dryers. I had no choice but to carry them. I carefully walked across the floor. Even though it seemed to be prime time, I was able to snag the last tumble dryer. I tried to shove all my clothes in with one swoop. Success! Huzzah! Hi. Excuse me, but I think you dropped these. I turned to see the best-looking man I had ever seen in my life. There in front of me was a six-feet-tall African-American man with the most amazing-looking skin. I could also see he had a mouthful of perfectly straight white teeth. Oh, and I couldn't help but notice he was holding up a pair of my knickers. I wish I could say it was a sexy lace thong that was in his left hand, but nope. It was a pair of brief-style underwear with mini Statues of Liberties all over them. Oh, I don't think those are mine, actually. I opt for something more, um... Uh... I was pretty sure I was starting to slip through the crust of the earth, right into Satan's lair. I could feel Beazelbub pulling on my ankles. Something more grown up. He smiled. Even his voice was perfect. Now this was a man. Exactly. Oh, God, I have a very unattractive laugh. I sound like a strangulated Miss Piggy when I laugh. Well, I'll just leave these here. He set my knickers down onto the counter that's meant for folding your clean clothes. 
I was starting to feel a little sad. Those were my most comfortable panties. I'm Mike, by the way. Sad feelings instantly evaporated. He held out his hand. It was all so perfect. Wow, everyone has been wrong all along. Perfection does exist. And it exists right here in Peaches and Clean Laundromat in Harlem. I'm Holly. I shook his hand vigorously. Do you live around here? Well, that was direct. Kind of. He was so hot, I couldn't even look at him. I could not control my naughty little thoughts any longer. I actually own the joint. Oh. Oh, God, why did that escape my mouth? Shit! I hope I didn't look like a racist. I'm pretty sure I accidentally did, though. Oh, my God, that was totally racist. Oh, my God, why do us Brits always feel the need to insert an O when we don't know what else to say? Why was I born awkward and British? Why, God, why? Not O, sorry, I I just had a brain fart. Oh, talking about flatulence already, totally fucking shit, fucking this meat cute up. I see, well, I actually own the entire building. Mike had some sort of look on his face, which was a mixture of confusion and pity. Well, fuck me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I don't mean, I mean, do do, do you know what I mean? Of course he didn't. No one did. I think I should go. It was great meeting you. Maybe see you around sometime. Oh, he was polite too. Bye. I muttered as he walked away. Once he was gone, and I was certain nobody was looking, I quickly picked up my mini Statues of Liberty panties and tossed them into the dryer. God, I was such a dingbat. A complete wurzel gummage. Later, after cup of tea number two and having relayed everything to Geronimo who didn't give a fuck, I was feeling slightly less mortified about the morning's events. I left my apartment and walked down the street towards the subway station. Ooh, baby. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Harry Potter. You one fine mother, that's for sure. Hey, you, Potter. Come on, shorty, what's a man gotta do to get a smile right here? Well, fuck you too then, bitch. That was it. Something snapped. I'm sorry? Fuck me? How about bloody fuck you? He'd poked the bear too hard. Oh man, Shorty Potter's got an attitude. Yes, I've got a fucking attitude. Of course I've got a fucking attitude. I mean, I didn't used to have an attitude, but for four fucking months, every sodding time I walk to and from the three tame, which sticks a piss, by the way, you or someone else catcalls me. I mean you, yes you. You need to have some respect. Well, I do. I have the word respect tattooed right here on my wrist. You see that? He pointed to his arm. Tattooed on your skin, I need to see it in your behavior. You came into this world by way of a vagina, for fuck's sake. You know that, right? You slipped and slided right out of that vagine. Get some respect for those of us that have one. What would your mother say for crying out loud? I have a tattoo of her, too, on the other arm. He started rolling up his other sleeve. Well, stop getting tattoos and get some bloody fucking chivalry. Oh, you're never going to get laid from yelling at random women on the street unless you're paying, so stop being such a disrespectful cunt! Shit. Now do enjoy the rest of your day. That was the first time I'd ever used that word. Who knew if it was going to be the last? It doesn't take long for the cosmopolitan to corrupt your morals. Before work, I had to meet with Robert Goldwyn, an immigration lawyer in his fancy office near Bryant Park. When I first met him, I thought, I'm your Uncle Buck! Good morals. Holly, so lovely to meet you. Now, how can I help? His office was full of expensive-looking oak furniture and pictures of his family. It appeared he had twin toddler sons and a fairly attractive wife. Not surprising, 
he seemed like a lovable chap. Probably fairly minted as a lawyer in the big old apple too. I would like to apply for my green card so that I can be on Broadway. My current visa doesn't allow me to do that, you see. Well, I can certainly help you with that. Now, before we get started, I must let you know there are costs involved, filing costs, and of course, in addition to that, my fees. So we will be looking at around $10,000. Now, good news is, if you pay cash, there will be no tax added on top of that. How does that sound? To many people, this may have sounded dicey. But every bride saying yes to the dress at Kleinfeld's knows you can save a few quid if you have the gown shipped to New Jersey. Great! I actually have been saving some of my tips in a leopard print knee-high boot that I have stashed away in my wardrobe. Would it be okay if the majority of that cash were in $1 bills? I could see him thinking, stripper. My last order of business for the day was a night at Moonlight Groove Diner. I really wasn't looking forward to it. The last time I'd worked involved Rasputin squirting bottles of ketchup all over me. Seemed I'd bruised his ego and he hadn't forgiven me for turning down his request for dinner on Thanksgiving. Ever since then, he had gone out of his way to make all my shifts a living nightmare. Hit me with your best shot. Fire away! I had the microphone skillfully tucked under my chin so my hands were free to load up a tray with a table's milkshake order. Luckily, there was an instrumental coming up and I was banking on having time to run the drinks to my table before I had to start singing again. Rasputin was at the other end of the bar flirting with a female diner. He stood up and laughed. Then... He turned in my direction. Having clocked me, he stormed over and got an inch from my face. You fucking bitch, British whore. I hate you. He then smacked the tray of milkshakes out of my hand with such force that they all crashed to the floor, making the biggest mess. I gasped and went into autopilot mode. I apologized to guests and laughed it off. All I could think about was how badly I needed my job so that I could stuff more $1 bills into my boot. I picked up the microphone which had also fallen and started talking into it. Don't worry guys, it's part of the entertainment. Sing along now. Hit me with your best shot. Come on! After I'd finished singing, I took myself to the bathroom to try to clean myself up a bit. The chocolate double fudge milkshake wasn't a good look on me as it clashed with my hair and the combined smells of mint chocolate chip and strawberry weren't marrying so well together. I wanted to cry. (sighs) I still had another six hours of hell to go. I wondered if James would consider meeting me off the train later. I pulled my phone out from my apron. As I was about to text him, my phone started ringing with a strange number. This is Holly Hudson. I was hoping this unknown number wasn't about the boy Prince who kept skipping school. Holly, this is Bill. How are you today? I'm great, thanks, Bill. Whoever the fuck you are, Bill. Great. I'm calling because we'd love for you to come to understudy the role of Elle Woods in our up-and-coming production of Legally Blonde down here in Knoxville. OMG. OMG, my guys. Was this real? Wasn't I a bit plump to be Elle? I mean, perhaps not stateside. Everything was bigger and better in America, so they say. Maybe I'd worn a very flattering outfit at that audition that day. To be honest, I couldn't even remember which audition it had been. One for a small regional non-union theatre in Tennessee, apparently. I wonder if it was the audition where I accidentally dressed like a chubbalicious Hooters girl. Whatever. My first proper show! I couldn't believe it! Ah, I would love to do that! Thank you so much, Bill! Great! I'll send over the contract. Bill, my new best friend, said. A month later, and James was helping me down the stairs with my suitcase. I'll miss you, you know. I'll miss you too. But I'll be back in six weeks. Keep an eye out for Yvette and Ruby. Oh, and make sure Geronimo doesn't escape. Oh, and don't forget to spy on my subletter. I tried to look for a taxi. Not too many went by on this particular street. And don't sleep with her. He leaned in 
and we kissed goodbye. <sighs> a break from the city was exactly what the doctor ordered. Next time on FUNYC, Hunchbacks, Kardashian Better Halves, and Broken Legs. Stop! FUNYC, an IDC production. Starring Emily Eden. Written and created by Emily Eden. Sound design and engineering by Lewis Fisher. Executive producer, Marcy Gilbert. Co-created, produced, and directed by Eric Wickstrom. Guest starring, Tony Gannon, Jabari Gray, Sri Gordon, Scott Carroll, Mike Tricario, Miles Elliott, 